They say giving birth is equivalent to running a marathon, but what about being pregnant and building a company from scratch while taking on the multivitamin aisle? That is the story of Ritual's founder, Kat Schneider, who started Ritual because she couldn't find a prenatal she could trust. So I just started recently taking the Essential for Women multivitamin, and it's been great so far. They are super gentle on my stomach. I can even take them without food, which is just very convenient. And yeah, it's great because I just want to fill some gaps in my diet and I feel like this is exactly what I need. They're also great tasting. Like the, the Essential for Women multivitamins have like this minty taste. So I'm so not used to that. I'm used to that like not so great aftertaste. So that's been awesome as well. So although I am not pregnant, Ritual has a prenatal that you can trust. They are made with traceable ingredients. You can literally look at a map and see where all the ingredients have come from, which is super cool. And you better believe I checked that out and I loved it. And all of the ingredients are vegan, bioavailable, and clinically studied key nutrients for before and during pregnancy. They're also non-GMO project verified, gluten, and major allergen free. So why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during their first month. Visit ritual.com slash birthnaturally to start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. Welcome to Birth Naturally. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Kate. And we are sisters having a conversation about everything from med-free birth to natural parenting. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. It is just me again today, but I assure you that Kaylee will be back soon. I'm, I'm sure you're getting sick of hearing just my voice. I know I am. So yeah, she will be coming on soon because we have to tell, well, she has to tell her home birth story that she just went through a few weeks ago with her fourth baby. So I'm so excited to hear that and bring her back on. So yeah, that'll be fun. But today I talked to Krista, and this is such a great episode. I feel like I say that every time, but um, I really enjoyed talking to Krista. And just a little warning, she does talk about miscarriage, um, but I have to say she does it in a truly beautiful way, which I know might sound a little bit weird, but she just talks about everything she learned, and she really took what she learned and brought that into her next birth so yeah it um it really was a great story and I don't think you should skip it um but totally understand if you know it's just not for you but yeah she is such a positive and inspiring person it it was just wonderful to talk to her so thank you so much to Krista for taking time and telling your stories it was really great and I think you are all going to love this episode so enjoy and don't forget if you are enjoying the podcast to give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen 
Um, we really appreciate every single review that comes in. So thank you guys so much. And yeah, enjoy. Welcome, Krista. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast this morning. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you and your family? Sure, sure. So my name's Krista. I'm married to my husband, Dave, over the last, I guess, three years, together eight. And together we have two daughters, Lona, who is two, and June, who is seven weeks today. Oh, I love those names so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. They're, they're, the first is unique name. Um, mm-hmm. We named her after our favorite restaurant in St. Louis, which is pretty comical, but adorable. <laughs> and we call her Lo. And then June, uh, the name will kind of come up later. She's our little sunshine rainbow baby. So June is a super fitting name. It's like such a sweet name too. I love it. Thank you. So when did you guys decide that it was time to start your family and how was your journey to getting pregnant with your first? Sure. So a little background of my family, my husband and I, we've lived in Ghana, West Africa for the last four years now. Um, we're over there for my husband's business. He's an entrepreneur. So we moved there October, 2018, I believe. And we got married the following year in 2019. So I was ready at that point, you know, I was 30. So I was excited to start trying for a family. I gave him like six months that I was happy (laughs) to not be trying. And then, um, you know, he was pretty much on board with that because we had been together for a while and, you know, at 30, you can't help but start thinking about these things. It's so true. (laughs) I hate to say it, but I was just excited. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, this was, uh, gosh, I think right around March, 2020. Mm -hmm. So at this point we were in Ghana and we had heard about COVID, of course, like the rest of the world. And we were not really sure if we were going to stay in Ghana during that time, or if we were going to go back to the States because lockdowns were starting to happen. And the U S government was advising that if there are any expats, wherever they were, that it was probably smart to come back to the States if that's something that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, considered our options and there was so much fear at that point. We had no, no idea like how long we'd actually be in the States for, but we were like, okay, fine. We might as well go back to the U S let it blow over, which we all know it didn't <laughs> yeah. be a couple of weeks, you know, month oh, of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we decided to go back and we had to take this big, like repatriation flight from Ghana back to the U S and Nevertheless, regardless of the pandemic, I was still like baby crazed and my husband, you know, being logical was like, well, maybe we should like wait and see how this all shakes out and not right. Like, start trying right away. But I won. And <laughs> regardless, even though we were in the States without our own home, uh, I was still wanting to try. So mm-hmm. thankfully we got pregnant on the first attempt and, um, that was it. That was the journey for the first little one, Lona. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so wait, did yeah, sorry, you stay? In, so did, how long did you stay then? Sure, sure. So we <laughs> ended up staying for an entire year. Okay. <laughs> we, which obviously kind of makes sense when you're pregnant with your first child. We weren't going to go back and forth between the U.S. and Ghana. Right. Um, pregnant and not really knowing how things were going. And obviously we were kind of being advised to stay put. So that's Mm -hmm. what we did. Um, and we ended up pretty much staying with my parents for, 
the entire pregnancy and the entire three months postpartum with her. So wow, lucky them. They had uh, three <laughs> extra roommates. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least you had some um, help. Yes, absolutely. There was definitely silver linings. I think that they were, you know, I'm sure they, they could have used not being with us for that long, but at the same time, <laughs> these were times that um, we could never get back. And it was really special for them to be able to have time with one yeah. of their grandbabies for oh, as long I'm as they sure. did. Well, so yeah. why don't you talk about a little about, about how that first pregnancy went, how we're sure. feeling and everything. Um, great. Yeah. So, you know, like many first time moms, I just did what everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to my sisters about who their providers were. Um, and I ended up going to the same practice that I had for all my guide visits. And mm-hmm. I gravitated towards it was, it was like a mixed practice with OBs, PAs and one midwife. And for whatever reason, as soon as I found out about the list of providers, I was really attracted to scheduling my first appointment, especially with, uh, the nurse midwife. And she was a total gem. I really, I have her to thank for like having such a positive pregnancy and birth experience throughout, um, you know, being a first time mom during a pandemic X, Y, (laughs) Z. So we went with the typical practice. I knew I was going to deliver in the hospital. Um, and the pregnancy itself, I really had a hard time with, I am five foot tall and I've always been pretty athletic, but I had trouble with, you know, body images. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think for anyone experiencing it for the first time and you, you kind of just have to let go of all control, which you learn later on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At this point, you're like, what control (laughs) now that you have to, (laughs) totally. I've given myself much more grace, but the first time around, it's really hard to watch your body change. I think, especially before Mm -hmm you're really showing like as pregnant, like the first trimester, you just feel really bloated and you mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable. And yeah. so the body image thing was hard for me. And also I was just super, super, super sick. And I was throwing up a lot, really nauseous 24 seven. I wish it was morning sickness, but it was the all day sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just did not love being pregnant, which is unfortunate, but I knew that the end result was 1 million percent worth it. Yeah. Um, and this is just something you, you of course have to go through and you try to like make it as positive as possible, but obviously that's challenging when you feel so terrible. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. Like I, I kind of knew what to expect in a certain regard because my sisters had already had children. Um, but you don't know until you're living it and, yeah, absolutely. And just like the being sick, is really hard. But at the time I was, um, I'm a dental hygienist and I was not working a ton because living abroad, I really can come home and work whenever I want. So I had the ability to not be working. Mm -hmm. So there was lots of naps and, um, just, you know, taking it extremely easy. Mm -hmm. And thankfully the, the fog had cleared by the, probably by around 16 weeks, I stopped throwing up and I was feeling better and energy was going up. And then, um, you know, the second trimester is usually the best for everyone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then the third trimester, it was like, you know, at that point you're starting to get much larger, you're heavy. Like I said, I'm a shorter person. So carrying this basketball around was really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reality of delivering was starting to get to me. Um, at this point, it was 
I gave birth in December. So it was still very much COVID-y and there were the vaccines weren't out yet. So I just know in the healthcare system themselves, there was still just a lot of like extra precautions and, and whatnot. So around 36 weeks, I was taking my blood pressure at home because uh, I was having some virtual visits and that was, you know, they felt comfortable doing that with at least being able to like monitor blood pressures and whatever at home. So, um, at 36 weeks, that one, my blood pressure started getting wonky and my mom, who was a nurse, I called it to her attention. She's like, Ooh, like we got to watch that. Mm -hmm. So long story long, (laughs) by the time I went into, um, for my prenatal visit at 37 weeks, it was like totally high because I think it was a combination of knowing that it could be high and then like white Cody. And right. it just was like the stress of knowing that the delivery was going to be coming soon. And I think there are factors of why my blood pressure was elevating. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point I was, I had a visit with my favorite midwife and she said, okay, yeah, this isn't great. We don't love it. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to send you to the hospital. I had like, a, I just got put on the monitors to check the baby and kind of monitor my blood pressure. And once I was in the hospital, the blood pressure is regulated and the doctor who I was working with said, okay, you know, all's good. You can head back home. Um, but I knew that I was going to go back in for a blood press, blood pressure check the Friday. So this was just going to be two days later. Okay. Um, so Thursday, I kind of mentally prepared that if I was going to need to be induced, like I should enjoy this day, get as much rest as possible. And, um, you know, mentally prepared that this baby was going to come at 37 weeks instead of 40, 41, 42, like I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Friday I went in, it was with an OB that I had not met and she was fine, but I knew that, um, you know, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically it was the same story. The blood pressure was pretty high and she said, all right, it's time. We're going to send you down to the hospital and we're going to get this party started and, um, get you induced. So that's what happened. And Mm -hmm. thankfully, um, I knew since I had met with my midwife two days prior that she was going to be the one on call at the hospital. So that was hugely important because I trusted her. I had seen her for the majority of my prenatal appointments and, um, just knowing that she was the one going to be like caring for me was really, really great. Um, because during this time you could have no extra support. It was me and my husband. I didn't hire a doula the first time around. I knew I couldn't have any extra support people. Um, so the fact that I actually knew my provider was really, uh, really great. And yeah. So could you, um, hire a doula at that point or no? No, no. Okay, so you the hospital okay. I was, no, the hospital I was at, thankfully, you know, it wasn't wild where I couldn't not have my husband. So mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't, a short amount of time. Oh. Ugh, I can't imagine if you couldn't have your husband. Oh, it would have been Those terrible. Those poor women, because some people did it and it's so oh. tragic. That's so sad. We, I know. I know. So it, um, it worked out just fine. You know, thankfully, the hospital I delivered at is funny because I, I was born there myself and, um, my mom had my first daughter literally like the exact same time, a day apart, like 30 some years ago. So I, I really <laughs> was like channeling that energy, uh-huh. which was really cool yeah. Like to know that like my mom and dad were here 30 some years ago, literally to the day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I really did feel good about how things were going, though it was not what I expected. Like I never expected to be induced, but I had done my own research of what an induction would look like. Mm -hmm. So I felt comfortable with, um, you know, the steps that were going to be needed to, to get this baby um, into our arms. And mm -hmm. I was not stressed about like what was to come because, because I had educated myself. So thankfully, um, the induction went really well. And honestly, it was really fast for a first time mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up having a Foley balloon and I think mesoprostol to be the uh, cervical ripener. And the balloon was only in for an hour, which was really fast because thankfully my cervix was very favorable at this point and it was already like starting to do its thing and get soft. So I know <clears throat> for inductions, that's really important that you have a higher chance of success if your body's already kind of primed and ready to go. Yeah. Well, luckily, even at 37 weeks, like that's awesome that right, <laughs> your body right. is ready. Totally. My mentally, I was very ready for this baby and it was really think like I worked out well that mm -hmm. my body was like on my side. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but after the fully balloon, they changed shifts and they started my Pitocin at 7 30 PM and I reacted like super sensitively to it, which I guess is a good thing, but they had it on like a two and my contraction started really intense, really fast. So it, like the party was getting started immediately. Mm -hmm. and um, the nurse came in, came in, turned it up to a four, and then literally 30 minutes later, she's like, we can see that your contractions are really intense and really close together, and we never do this, but I'm going to turn it back down to a two, and I was like, thank God, because it was <laughs> no freaking joke. Like, uh, Pitocin contractions are really, really hard. Yeah, yeah, they really and, are. Oh, and I had nothing to compare it to, but for me, it was really challenging because there was no break like you would have with natural contractions for myself. So even when I was not at a peak of a contraction, I was in pain in between contractions. So that just made it super gnarly uh, yeah. and hard. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, things were moving fast. Um, so that was at 7.30 PM. My midwife came in, she checked me. I was at like a six and she said, uh, this was probably at like 10.30. So a few hours of Pitocin. Um, I was at a six and she said, I would love to deliver this baby for you. And I know if we break your water, it's going to go faster. So what are your thoughts? I agreed. Um, she broke my water. And then by probably 1130 PM, I was like, it, at that point, it was just like unbearable. Mm -hmm. um, so I folded, I didn't have dreams of not having an epidural with this birth, mm -hmm. but I wanted to see how long I could go. And I definitely went far. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds ready. like you did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh ready. my gosh. It just like, I think the nurse heard me from outside. I got to a point where I was like very, very audible. Mm -hmm. Um, so she came in and, and they asked like, what can we do to, to help you? So I agreed to an epidural. Um, we did the epidural. It was placed probably at midnight. And had I known I was like in full blown transition, maybe things would have been different, but obviously hindsight is always 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, so I let the, um, the, I think it was a nurse anesthetist resident place it. And unfortunately the first time didn't work. And he's like digging around back there. And they, by the time they placed it the second time, um, I got to feel the lovely benefits of the epidural for mm -hmm. like a whole 30 <laughs> minutes. And I told the nurse, I'm like, literally, as soon as the anesthesia started, I was like, Ooh, like I feel the urge. Like I felt a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh my the nurse gosh. Is like, 
Oh, it was just so funny because I was like, ooh, this feels really good. But also like I feel like a massive urge to poo. And yeah. we all know that that means the baby's head like right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the nurse is like, let me shut the lights off. Like just get comfortable. Enjoy. Like, but she knew also that this is like going to be a very short amount of time. So I tried to enjoy lights were off. My husband like maybe closed his eyes for 10 minutes. And I was like, Dave, you need to go uh, get a nurse because like it's, I, I think it's time. Um, so my midwife came in, she texted me. I was complete. She's like, Oh, yep. Yeah, okay. So by the time I was ready to push, it had been one hour since the epidural and, um, got me all ready. I started pushing at one and she was born at one thirteen. So it was, fast. Oh my gosh. Wow. For a first time on <laughs> 13 minutes, like that's crazy. It was crazy. It was, I will say like, I loved pushing because like, because mm-hmm. the labor was so honestly painful with the Pitocin contractions at this point, it was like the, such a fun part. Cause you're, you know, it was a hard pregnancy and you wait all this time to meet your baby. And I felt it was like, honestly, the perfect level of numbness because I felt the pressure. I did feel a little, I felt the ring of fire a tad, but it was like super doable. And it was enough feet, like sensation that I knew mm-hmm. that my pushing was effective. Oh, um, that's, that's so good because I think having the epidural, especially when you have your first, you don't know what you're doing, especially right. because you can be very very numb down there. Like with my first, I couldn't even, they had to move my legs around for me. Like I couldn't do a thing. So yeah, that's, if they get it right, then yeah, that's, it's not so bad. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, and that's what I've heard. And I, I didn't like the idea of just feeling like half of my body was not even turned on. So, you know, the sensation was really good. And I remember as I was pushing, I'm like, Cause I felt my midwife kind of like doing things down there and, and that I felt myself stretching and stuff. And she's like, no, it's good. Like baby's head is right there. And, uh, yeah, a few pushes, few contractions. She shot out like a little cannonball cause she was tiny. She was only five ten Cause I was, you know, 37 oh. weeks, Yeah, but it helped get her out super fast because oh, she was sure. such a small baby. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Yeah. So that was it. I mean, and it was really positive. I felt super supported. I love my midwife, Rachel, shout out. Um, (laughs) The nurses were wonderful. So, I mean, all things considered, uh, though it was not the birth I expected, it was super positive Mm -hmm. and uh, as as good as an induction can go, I think. Right. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Um, So, Okay. So you had that, you know, that experience and you're like, okay, Uh it's not so bad. So let's kind of talk about what, you know, changed your mind. And when you realized like, okay, well, birth can go differently and and kind of how that experience went. Sure. So after my first, I was one of those wild moms that like could not stop thinking about my birth at all. Like I, in a good way, like I thought about my birth all the time. And I still somehow had BB fever, like when my daughter was six months and I knew I needed to like pump the brakes, but I just like wanted to have another baby. I wanted to go through the birth experience again. Like a fire was lit inside of me that I didn't know existed. (laughs) (laughs) And I just like wanted to do it again. And like, that's nature's way of just like literally making us all want to continue to procreate because it's like such an addictive birth eye. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So about a year, uh, when my daughter was a year, my husband and I decided that it would be a good time to start trying again. And again, we got pregnant the first month, which was great. Um, 
And I wanted to take a pregnancy test because we were going on a, a trip to Mexico with my in-laws. And I wanted to know if I could enjoy the uh, unlimited alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Come to find, I could not because I was expecting. So um, <laughs> we go on this trip. All is good. We told them. And um, unfortunately, shortly into the pregnancy, I had noticed some spotting. And this is what's so hard for moms. And I can really, really understand like how it's such a mind game in the beginning because some spotting can be normal and yes. some spotting cannot be normal. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you just are really at the mercy of the process and you just really don't have a lot of sense of security in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some red flags pop up where I had some spotting um, and but like nothing else is really happening. Um, so then I think this was January, 2022. Um, we all got COVID like COVID was still obviously around mm-hmm. and I was kind of freaked out cause I was only six weeks pregnant. I was taking care of my sick, t- sick baby. She was only 12 months. I was sick. My husband was sick. And unfortunately, like the last thing on my mind was the fact that I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And until I would use the bathroom and I had a little more spotting and I just knew I couldn't focus on, on that because I had myself and my family to take care of. Um, so cut to a couple weeks later, once we were recovered, we were uh, heading back to Ghana because we were home for the holidays and we fly back to Ghana and I had scheduled an appointment with, uh, OBGYN over there. And not until about, about like nine and a half weeks. So we got uh, in to see a doctor over there and he did an ultrasound to make sure it wasn't like an ectopic pregnancy. He wanted to make sure the baby was just where the baby was supposed to be. And it's really interesting because we were there obviously for the ultrasound and we saw that the baby was there, but being a second time mom, I knew that at nine and a half weeks, like we should definitely see a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to him like, asking, asking these questions. And he's like, Oh, it's still early. Like everything looks good. Um, and so I had an unsettled feeling, but also wanted to trust the doctor. And we kind of left that appointment feeling excited, but I also had like a guard up. So uh, my next appointment was going to be at 12 and a half weeks to do like a follow-up ultrasound to check measurements and everything. And since we were having care in Ghana, things are not exactly on the same schedule as they are in the U S. So I was, um, I was just, you know, trying not to be that annoying American, like telling him how to do his job or anything like that. So I was on board with, with what he recommended. So I went in for this ultrasound at 12 and a half weeks. And unfortunately I knew it was not good right away because the technician, he tried to do the ultrasound, um, on my abdomen and he, he was just kind of searching around Mm -hmm. and that was like, I I knew in that moment that something was not, not, not good. Mm -hmm. Um, so then he asked if he could use the transvaginal wand and I said, okay. And then of course, as soon as he did that, he got a clear image and he could see that the baby had stopped growing. Um, and it was really hard because I was by myself. Uh, I had a friend watching my daughter and my husband was at work and, you know, I'm comfortable in Ghana, but it's still a foreign country to me. And it was hard to be alone in that moment. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, the reality I, I had 
expected that things were off with this pregnancy kind of from the beginning, but regardless of that, to be faced with it like head on and told something that you kind of already knew was really, really hard. Oh, yeah. Um, so oh my gosh. I, I can't imagine there. being alone, like having to deal with that. Oh, that's awful. It was hard. It was hard. And like the technician, he was lovely. And there was a good another assistant or nurse in there. And I think like once I sat up and was closed, but the reality hit and I just started crying and he, oh. he was so kind and he tried to like, you know, justify and making me feel better. And mm-hmm. there's not really anything anyone can say to you at that exact moment. Cause it's no. all so raw. Definitely not. So my poor husband, I, I text him kind of the debriefed version of what happened, which was obviously really hard news for him to hear too, but he came to pick me up. Um, at the clinic and then we went back and then we had to talk about everything. So this is where the natural birth stuff kind of comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up switching doctors because I was really upset to know that clearly when he had done the ultrasound at nine weeks, there was no visible heartbeat. Right. Um, and so I went on too. So you're like, uh, exactly. you should, you just listen to me. Right. Right. Yeah. So I went on with the pregnancy for another um, three and a half, four weeks kind of thinking that we were all good um, when yeah. we weren't. So oh that gosh. was a really harsh reality that I was carrying a pregnancy that was non-viable and the baby had already passed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was tough. So anyway, I found another doctor that was a much better fit for me. <clears throat> and we went in and, and had an appointment with him kind of about our options because I had not actually had the miscarriage yet. Um and he was wonderful. Um, he really, I think this is the benefit of being in Ghana. There was no rush to have like a DNC or have the procedure done where obviously they, they manually remove everything, um, which I really wanted to avoid if possible. So he talked about, you know, obviously waiting for it to happen naturally, or I could uh, take the medication to kind of stimulate your body to help with the miscarriage. And last case scenario would to have a DNC essentially. Um, and I know from friends in the States, it's just a different experience here where you can feel pressured to just make it go away and, and have the procedure right away. And you kind of wake up and it's over. Um, and that didn't appeal to me at all, especially being over there. It just kind of scared me to be honest. Um, so we kind of came up with a plan that I was just going to wait out and see and wait for my body to acknowledge like what had happened and and it do its thing. And if I needed a little more support with medication, then that's the route I was willing to take. So I think like having a plan and it clicking in my brain and me like talking to my baby and just like telling my body it was okay to let go, things started happening. Um, So I'd started spotting more heavily and I could feel that that my body was like acknowledging and knowing what it needed to do. And, uh, it was really interesting. Like I felt like I was going into labor in an odd way. Cause I felt like I was starting to get crampy. Um, I was still breastfeeding my daughter at that point. She was about 15 months, which was helpful because it's the same thing. Like when you're wanting to get your body into labor, not, uh, for a baby to have right. a good birth you know, nipple stimulation is good. So I knew that nursing her would only help kind of get things moving. Um, so, and I just knew in myself that like, this was going to happen that night. So I went to bed with a big old pad. I took some ibuprofen preventatively. Um, and on a Saturday morning, I woke up the middle of the night, unfortunately, uh, with a soaked pad 
And mm. I knew this was it. Um, and I used the bathroom and TMI for any listeners, like trigger warning, like I, I passed a really large amount of um, you know, content in my uterus. Mm-hmm. And it was shocking, but at the same time, it was like such a relief because I was so proud of my body that it, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Right. Like it knew that this was not a viable, healthy baby. Um, it knew that it, the baby needed to come out and it was tragic and horrible and sad and painful, but I just had such a trust in my body after that. Um, which really, really prepared me for the following pregnancy. So, you know, the Mm -hmm. miscarriage was a really sad experience um, because you're mourning like what could have been, but at the same time, um, I'm really grateful for the experience. The silver lining was just, you know, trusting my body and myself and especially feeling fairly alone. Like my husband was super supportive, but not having any family or friends physically in the area uh, to really support me was challenging. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but it, it all worked out um, and it was tough, but I did feel like I really, ex- because I really experienced all the physical and emotional um, impacts of the miscarriage, I feel like I healed from it relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like some, because because you had that like sense of unease for weeks and weeks, I mean, mm-hmm. in a way, yeah, you kind of were relieved because you knew you clearly knew. Right. Right. You know yeah. what your body was telling you was like this. This pregnancy is not is, is not right. This, something's wrong, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I can understand surprise. that. It was, mm-hmm. Exactly. It was not a surprise, but I think mentally, subconsciously, I had time to prepare. Um and I'm, I'm thankful for that because if it was truly a shock, I think I would have handled it much differently. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think a lot of women that go through this experience kind of have those internal feelings as well. And it's just a matter of listening to them or not. Like, I, I feel like I'm a pretty intuitive person mm-hmm. and I didn't want to face that to be my reality, but at the same time, accepting it, I think allowed all of the inner pieces to connect, um, for the process to be as positive as it obviously can be. It's really hard, but, um, I, I felt proud of myself for sticking to my guns and just letting my body do what it knew, knew how to do. Right. Right. Um, and not just like subjecting myself to an unnecessary procedure if I just didn't give myself enough time. Yeah. So, and, and so I'm so happy that they, you know, let you, that they were okay with that. And totally. And you, it kind of, you know, taught you something that right. next time I am going to let my body do what it wants to do, you know, like exactly. as long as I don't need that intervention, then. Right. Yeah. Right. And since I didn't get to experience that with my first birth, I, because like, I didn't have the option to go into natural labor. So though a miscarriage is, is a different experience, um, it still like went into quote labor in the same kind of way um, to do what it knew, it knew it needed to do. Right. Um, so after that experience, my husband and I, like, I think some women really need quite a few months to like mentally recover and physically recover. I was the opposite side of the spectrum where I felt even more desire to have another baby. Um, and don't get me wrong. We gave myself some time, like obviously the bleeding had stopped and I 
we just like my husband and I just had some fun together. We had a couple really fun weekends, mm-hmm. which led to another pregnancy <laughs> <laughs> within the same month. So this was unbelievable. We I had lost the baby in the beginning of March, and then I conceived at the end of March. Um, before my cycle, my period had even returned. You know, I had that same experience. Oh my gosh. And, it's and wild, but right? it, with it, yeah, it was like two weeks later. I was like, wait, what? Yes. Um, I, but it's crazy. And, but within that time, I was like, no, I'm not having another baby. Right. <laughs> so, like, right. so, um, yeah, emotions were, um, were a little yeah. bit of a roller yeah. coaster at that time. Right. It's it yeah, I didn't know that was even like possible and yeah, it's it's yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah. So how did you I, feel like when you got that positive test where you yeah. wouldn't just complete shock? I was and I wasn't. Like I had learned so much about pregnancy and fertility uh leading up to all of this. So mm-hmm. I knew that when we had, you know, had a little extra fun that I thought I was ovulating because I, my cervical mucus had changed. Yeah. And I just like was making mental notes of like, okay, my period's not back yet, but I think this is what's going on with my body. And I was right. So, um, I leading up to finding out about this pregnancy, I had gotten those tiny little strip pregnancy tests to inversely watch my uh, HCG levels go back down to zero. I was taking those strip tests to make sure like the the second line was fading, Mm -hmm. which is really weird to say and sad, but also like I wanted to see that my levels were dropping. So the the line would fade, 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 fade until there was nothing left. And it was just one line Mm -hmm. Um, kind of in the back of my mind, knowing that if I were to get pregnant again, relatively soon, I want to know that it's a new pregnancy and not um, like residual HCG from the the second loss. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had a feeling. I said, okay, by uh, April 11th, if I don't get my period, I'm going to take a test. Took a test, faint line. I come out to my husband, like shaking and showing him. And it was just unbelievable. I put like a shirt on for my daughter that said big sis, cause we had that from the second pregnancy. And mm-hmm. he's like, nah, like we just couldn't believe it, but also <laughs> I could. And we were just super, super excited. So that leads to our little Junie. Um, oh. It was a special day. It was really exciting. So were you feeling any you know, worries because you had just gone through that? Like, how were you feeling at the beginning of your pregnancy? Yeah. So I, like I said, I learned so much from that miscarriage experience that instead of fearing this pregnancy, I had so much more faith. Like, I just knew that if this was God's plan, like I would not get pregnant again immediately if this baby was not for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, thankfully, I think, you know, I had some, some creeping fears, but the majority of my feelings were just excitement and optimism that like this, this was a pregnancy that was going to last. And this is was going to lead to our, our next baby. And thankfully that was the case. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Good for you for, you know, keeping that positivity. That's amazing. Oh, <laughs> I just had to give it up. Like I yeah. just learned that with the, with the miscarriage, it's just a completely surrendering experience. And I think just in life in general, be, being a mom, having babies, 
it's there's only so much that we can control and i think once you understand that and kind of give it up and just have the faith um it's yeah. a much better mental experience because oh yeah just, oh my gosh if you're sure. if you're tormenting yourself like that serves no one yeah <laughs> i wish i had that advice yeah. before before i got pregnant <laughs> because I, I went the opposite way we were just like deep depression sure. And taking Aww. tests every single day, like thinking yeah. like what you said, like, you know, seeing that line yeah. um, kind of disappear. Like, that's what I was looking for. I would compare right? it every day. It was like, sure, it was, it was yeah. rough, but luckily therapy really helps. <laughs> okay, good, good. No, and don't get me wrong. I took multiple pregnancy tests. Oh, yeah. I did the same thing. I took, yes, because I had a million of those strip tests. I yeah. took them every few days to Might watch well. it get darker. Yeah. Yeah, it's yes. such a good yes. feeling. So I, yeah. I was like that too. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm not alone here. No. Yeah, you are not alone. I absolutely <laughs> did the same thing. <laughs> so how did your pregnancy go this time? Was it a little better or were you sick all the time? Okay, so, you know, I wish I could say this is like my dream pregnancy. It was not. Oh. I um, The excitement was still there, but by seven weeks, I felt like I got hit by a bus. My nausea was like full force insanity. But at the same time, the silver lining was, okay, these crazy pregnancy symptoms are a good sign because they were very similar to my first. And my second pregnancy, I had some nausea, but no vomiting. And they were just not as intense of um, symptoms. (laughs) (laughs) So um, ironically enough, Dave's parents were coming to visit us in Ghana. um, And I had told them immediately with the second pregnancy and I was apprehensive to tell anyone this third time. Um, but I knew I said, listen, Dave, if I'm like not feeling well, by the time your parents come, like, there's no way I'm not going to be able to not tell them. Right. So that's exactly what happened. I told them the very first night because I was feeling so sick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, my my mother-in-law. Yeah. My mother-in-law was completely elated and she is just like an angel on this earth. And she was like, I just had a dream the other night that you told me you were pregnant again. Cause they my whole family was affected by the miscarriage and they knew that they could only do so much to support me from oh, afar. That, yeah. That must've been so hard for them to not. It know. was. Oh. Yeah. But it was so special that even though I did not feel well, I was able to share it and have um, her support and their support because they were there for about 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so early pregnancy, you know, we're wanting to to show them Ghana for the first time. We're doing these fun trips. We flew up north. We did a safari. Um, and in theory, great. But I was like puking my brains out at night. I was just really on the struggle bus. <laughs> oh, gosh. What a fun trip. <laughs> thankfully they had like such a lovely time like we showed them a really good time in Ghana and and they were um extremely helpful with uh Lo my daughter so though I felt sick I was able to like get a little bit of downtime and rest and not like uh you know have to tackle a toddler Mm -hmm. so that was good um and then once the trip ended uh you know the nausea continued on for a solid 16 weeks and I was throwing up a ton it was really hard with a toddler because she got it. She would like run to the toilet and be like, mommy. And I would like have to push her away. Oh. It was pretty pitiful. Oh um, <laughs> it's so hard. It was hard. And I had dealt with uh, essentially two first trimesters 
for six months. So yeah, yeah. Oh, it was no joke. My sister was like, ooh, like this is gonna be hard. I'm like, thank you, I know. Like as I'm like puking in the sink. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And to not have anybody to like, you know, give your toddler to like I because yes. I went through a similar thing with my second I was sick, like every day for 20 weeks. And my sister yes. come oh, over at like oh. six or 7am and just take my older daughter because yeah. she's like, you can't do anything. Oh, so, I'm oh. telling you, it was so hard, Kate. I like oh my, I, my husband as an entrepreneur, he works a lot and he was in the office and I just, there was a lot of TV happening. I was oh like not gosh, being yeah. a superwoman. <laughs> yeah. It was just like survival mode. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was very, very, very challenging physically and mentally to just not be able to feel like you can even take care of yourself, but you have to like take care of your, your small child. Right. And right. I was, I was still breastfeeding at this point. Ugh. So like there was a lot of physical demand on my body and yeah. I just took it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, Thankfully, after 16 weeks, once again, the fog like finally lifted and I was feeling much better. I was showing much, much earlier, um, which same thing, like your brain, you're like, ooh, like I, I didn't love how I felt physically. And I was kind of trying to ward off the same feelings I had with my first pregnancy about like watching my body change and watching myself grow and knowing that like this growth is a really positive, great thing. And like, don't be hard on yourself. if You're literally growing a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave myself more grace, um, but you know, still gaining a lot of weight very quickly feels challenging sometimes. Yes. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, anyway. So, um, the second trimester was the best as it is for everyone. And, um, by the third trimester, we our our plan was that I was going to uh, go back to the U.S. Uh, when I was 30 weeks. And to backtrack a second, I was seeing that same doctor that I had seen for my miscarriage for this pregnancy, Dr. Adams, lovely, lovely guy. Um, and I kind of had congruent care with uh, the midwives that I had chosen in Pittsburgh. And um, there's one freestanding birth center in Western Pennsylvania. It's called the Midwife Center. And because of that whole experience, I knew regardless second pregnancy, I wanted to have an unmedicated as low intervention birth as possible. And so that didn't change at all this third time. I knew that that's exactly what I wanted. Um, and my mom shout out to her. She had four unmedicated births. Like I knew I could do it. And I had a lot of faith this time around having had both the previous experiences that I did. Um, So by 30 weeks, we were preparing to leave Ghana to go back to the States and finish baking and then give birth there. So um, my husband essentially like escorted me and my daughter back to the U.S. And we were staying at my brother's house temporarily for like the two months prior to the birth. Um, And that has a a factor later on. (laughs) So he comes back, he had a conference in California. Um, and then I knew that he was going to have to be going back to Ghana for about a month because him as a business owner could not be away for a full, like five months, like me and my daughter would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that proved to be very challenging. I was super, super pregnant. My poor daughter like got sick and we were all jet lagged. So I had like really challenging moments during that time, uh, yeah, that in sure. hindsight, like prepare you immensely for like what life is going to be like soon with two kids. (laughs) Yeah, very true. 
but that's like, I can I laugh mean, about this it is now, very, but... you know, Ugh. unique end of your pregnancy situation. So, I mean, oh my God. I, yes. I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, it was something like I was texting my husband who was in Ghana at that point. Like, I swear to God, like if like, I just, I was kind of like on, uh, I was on the verge of spiraling, but thank yeah. God her sleep schedule and she got better when she did. And then it was like, we were back on track and she was doing perfectly fine. <laughs> but I had my moments where I was like, Ooh, like this is not going to be easy. And if it's not going to be easy, like you're getting on a plane, you're coming right back. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but that didn't have to happen, fortunately for uh, both of us. So uh, fast forward a little bit. My husband came back uh, when I was 36 weeks pregnant and having not gone into spontaneous labor the first time, you know, you're kind of like, well, okay, by 37 weeks, like this could happen anytime in the next five weeks. And you're just like ready, but also don't know how ready you really need to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I had been having like pretty intense Braxton, Braxton Hicks and legit like painful cramping really early on in my pregnancy, I didn't stress about it. Um, but by 36 weeks, I was definitely having more and more of that happening where it was not just like tightening. It was definitely tightening with some pain, like period cramping. Mm -hmm. Um, but it never picked up in a pattern or anything like that. So I wasn't concerned that it was like, you know, preterm labor or anything like that, but I knew that my body was kind of prepping. Um, so, you know, 37 weeks comes and goes, 38 weeks comes and goes. And I had had, I had had this continued cramping, um, and like contractions really through the night for weeks. And it's just such a head trip, you know, at the end, yeah. you're like, <laughs> what's going to happen? Like what, what is happening? And every morning I would say to my brother who we are still staying with, uh, I was like, Oh, still here, bud. Like next, you know, tomorrow night, if I go into labor, like you're on loan of duty and then mom will come. And, you know, we had this whole <laughs> loose plan that like, if we had to leave in the night, if I went to labor, that my brother would have to watch my daughter until he went to work. And then my mom would come down and like, it was kind of comical at the end because we would have this joke every morning. I'm like still pregnant as I'm like waddling down the hall, like, <laughs> get my life together. Um, so our loose plan was that basically like when I got closer to the duty, I would, we would, my family would move quote, move to my parents' house. Um, and to relive the poor things, they have to deal with us twice, like with bringing more babies into their home. Right. So my brother was going to have a Christmas party on uh, December 17th. And I, we joked at this point, since the baby clearly wasn't coming early, I was due December 20th. Uh, we had joked that like, okay, if I don't go into labor before then, like, I'm definitely going to go into labor the night that Kevin has his party. <laughs> um, and that's literally exactly what happened. We realized that, okay, this baby's not coming early. Let's move to my parents' house and like get our, our self sort of moved in and like nested because not having your own home is challenging. Like, as you yeah. can imagine. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah. You feel like you're a nomad. Cause we are like, we were ping ponging from house to house. And we realized at that point in the pregnancy, like there was no point in staying where we were like, let's move, let's get settled. That way, when I do go into labor, like my mom who's retired will just be on low duty. Um, and it's wild because that was exactly what, uh, shaked out. We, um, 
we moved to my parents' house December 16th <clears throat> and we felt good about it. We're like, okay, this is probably like the right choice. Just not like wait to go into labor at Kevin's. Like well, at least now we're going to be where we're going to be when this baby is uh, coming. So uh, we got moved in and that night, just like pretty much almost every other night prior, I was kind of waking up in and out of like having these cramps and not sleeping so great, but just sleeping through them the best I could. Um, definitely a lot of tossing and turning and moaning and just like <laughs> trying to, to deal, not knowing if this was like actually going to be it, or if this was just going to be like one of the million like false alarms I felt like I was experiencing. Right. Um, <laughs> it was such a head trip at the end like mm -hmm. and I was worried about like being risked out at the end because of my uh history with the hypertension yeah um, so I just like wanted this baby to come while I was still like in the green light with the midwife center mm -hmm. um so anyway I I was having these cramps having contractions and it was not like in the same pattern of what you actually experience when you're in like true labor like I was having painful cramps that would stay for like minutes and it was felt like more like period cramps than anything else. Um, but by like four or 5 a.m., I decided, okay, let's get up because I was not really being able to like work through them in bed. <clears throat> and my last midwife appointment, she said to me, okay, if it's, if it's painful enough, drink a lot of water, take a hot shower. And if they don't go away, that's probably time to like, let us know. Um, and I will say I hired a doula team this time because I wanted just to have like my whole like army ready to support myself the best I could to have like a successful unmedic unmedicated birth. Mm -hmm. um, so I got up, I got in the shower at like five and I was definitely working through them. They were not just tapering off, um, but they were still very sporadic, like not, not a consistent pattern at all. But I decided since it wasn't the middle of the night at that point, I would text my doulas just to let them know what was going on. Um, and so I was like in the shower for probably a decent amount of time. It's, you know, it's like really hard to keep track of like what the heck's happening when you're, when you're, or in at least labor, early labor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got out of the shower, let them know what's going on. And at that point I had used the bathroom like four times and I had some bloody show and I was like, okay, like this is actually it. I knew that that was like a bit major sign that labor was imminent and um, that this little one was going to come finally. Uh, <laughs> so then uh, I kind of updated the, the doulas again, let them know what was going on. And I tried to lay back down um, to get a little more rest because everyone says like in, in when you're in early labor like sleep rest um don't just like get up and, and you know do things yeah. so I tried but it was not very successful <laughs> no I would like lay down yeah <laughs> you know how it is um so I laid down and honestly they were only they were coming like every like 15 minutes like it was just very very strained and they would last long like there was no clear like wave pattern to it um but I got up because I was kind of having to work through them at that point. And I called the midwife center and they connected me to um, my midwife, Jessie, who was on call. And she was the last midwife I met with at my 39 week appointment. So I was super happy that she was the one that was on call. And her knowing my history, she said, okay, I think it's probably a good idea. If you come in, we can at least check you out and see if this is the real deal or not. Um, and we'll go from there. 
So that was like great news. I agreed with it. I thought it was definitely smart to go in. Um, I let my doulas know at this point, it was like 7am. I chatted with my mom. I said, it's go time. Like you're on low duty. <laughs> She's like, oh, what? Like, it was just a shock because we had just like gotten to their house. <laughs> oh, that so was your body was so much like, this is what we needed to do. So exactly. <laughs> oh my God. It's so freaking true. Like, I think my subconscious <laughs> knew that we were in a safe place, that it was, it was okay to like go into labor now. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were, no, no crazy we were planning, like you do right. this and then you come here and then <laughs> Yeah. It's like my, yeah, exactly. My brother's Christmas party really worked out in our favor to get us out of that house and into where we needed to be. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, my daughter was still sleeping. Dave and I, I woke him up. I said, it's baby time. Like, let's go. Um, and it worked out really well because it was a Saturday and where my parents live is about 35 minutes from the birth center. Um, and if this happened at any other time, it would have been hard because we could have been in traffic, whatever. So the fact that it was bright and early on a Saturday morning, there was literally no traffic at all. I, um, I did Christian hypnobirthing the whole, uh, pregnancy, like lead up. So I had my headphones in, we are like casually talking and I was just kind of breathing through the contractions when I had them and had my hypnobirth tracks playing. Um, but they were super manageable at this point. They were probably coming every four to five minutes and definitely had created like more of a pattern that felt like real labor contractions and not like the weird cramping. Um, but it was like a, a good car ride considering. Mm-hmm. So, um, we get to the birth center and the nurse and, uh, my, my midwife met us and, uh, we were just kind of chatting at this point. It was still like super low key, like excited. Like it was just funny mm-hmm. now to like, think about it. Cause it was just like, we were just chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we're kind of catching up with her about what had been going on. Um, and I got like the room that I wanted. There was no one, um, there was no one else in labor at that point. And, uh, this birth center has three rooms. Um, and there was two rooms in particular that have water birth tubs. So I knew I wanted the mountain room. So she took me right in there, which was great. And, uh, she asked if she could check me. <clears throat> and this was the only cervical check I had, uh, during labor at all, which is awesome. Um, and at that point I was only like four to five centimeters dilated, 90% of face with a bulging bag of water. So I was thankful that things had actually been changing my cervix, but I was not like super, super progressed that, um, you know, I just, it was like a good time to come without it being like too close in theory. Right. Right. So, um, she said, okay, call your doula, let her know that it's probably a good time to come. And she like got Dave coffee for us. She made me tea. It was just so like lovely. <laughs> yeah. Because you didn't get like, to experience that like nice early labor the first time. No, so no, exactly. The first time I got like hit by a truck immediately, as soon as they yeah. put the Pitocin on. <laughs> yeah. Early labor is oh. like the best. <laughs> oh my God. It was the best. And it was so, so exciting. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was because we knew the baby was coming that day. Like, I didn't know if she was coming later or whatever. Um, but we knew that like, we would not be going back. We were, we were like checked in. Right. Um, yeah. So my husband and I, we are like setting up twinkle lights on the bed and we are putting our little flameless candles everywhere and our sound machine. And we were just like having fun. It was funny. Like, great. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, about an hour later, it was just after 9am, my uh, doula Jess, she was my doula slash birth photographer. She arrived 
And, um, you know, with, uh, out of hospital birth, you just do the, for the most part, just do the Doppler, um, to check baby whenever you're having contractions. Mm-hmm. So everyone was in the room at that point, the nurse, the doula, my midwife, and she was, um, listening to the baby while I was having contractions. And in that moment, like after two seconds of greeting my, uh, my doula, <clears throat> my water like exploded <laughs> during contraction. And no one could tell because I had these big black slouchy pants on and I just feel a massive pop and like gushes of water going oh down gosh. both of my legs. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a picture, I can share it with you. I have a picture of me like with my hand over my mouth, just in complete disbelief that my water broke. <laughs> That's so funny. It was so funny because I was, I really, really wanted that to happen. Like I just wanted to experience all the things that like spontaneous natural labor have in store for you. Like, yeah, I was, I was open to having my water broken, um, if necessary, but mm-hmm. I was really, really thankful that it broke on its own. Um, and it just was funny. Like the picture is just like, I'm in complete shock. But then knowing that since my water had broken that like things were going to get like go from like yeah. super doable to like not as easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to get intense. <laughs> oh my God. So literally it's like a switch was flipped because as soon as my water broke, my contractions were something. They got so much more intense. And at this point they were, um, they were pretty close together, but like up until my water breaking, um, it was just like, I was able to chat in between contractions, but once my water broke, I was really, really, really like having to focus. I got on my knees and was kind of just swaying at the end of the bed. Um, and I think the midwife and nurse could tell immediately that like, this was going to move really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was in denial. I was like, totally not thinking that things were going to happen fast. Like I thought, okay, this is like it, this is active labor. Um, but like just completely oblivious to like how quickly things were moving. Cause in my mind, I was only four or five centimeters dilated. Like I just was not mentally prepared. So anyway, so how my, long uh, had you been there at this point? We had only been there for an hour. We got there oh. just after eight and my water broke just after nine. Oh my gosh. Um, so my midwife knew I wanted a water birth and she's like, do you think it's time to start filling up the tub? And I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Let's do it. And still thinking like, okay, I don't want to get in the tub too soon because I know that that can make women really relaxed and slow down their labor. Like just not even <laughs> understanding that like this baby was coming like way faster than I had mentally prepared for. Cause like, mm-hmm. it, I think when you are preparing yourself for an unmedicated birth, you have like the whole, uh, like you have a whole list of like things you want to do for comfort measures, like hip squeezes and and your breathing techniques and grabbing a comb and using the water and all the things. None of that happened. (laughs) You're like, no, we have more things to do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So my, my nurse and doula or my nurse and midwife could see that things were going fast. They they filled the tub and my midwife asked me when the water was full, she was like, do you want to get in? And I was like, no, like I just want to stay here for now. And then literally like one contraction later, I was like, okay, just kidding. Like, yeah, it's time. Um, so I moved to the tub and I swear to God, like as soon as my butt hit the water, like 
it was go time. I was like, so audible. I didn't think I would be the type of person to like calmly breathe out their baby and like, God bless and, and like incredible for those women, like amazing. But I was not that person. (laughs) I was was legitimately like roaring, roaring, like screaming to put it blatantly. (laughs) Uh, But I, you know, I did the best I could. So I, um, I what, whatever and, works to get that baby oh out. My, <laughs> exactly. So I was in there kind of, uh, face, I don't know how I was facing, but where the way I was, my bottom was not facing the midwife. So she was kind of feeling around to see if she could feel anything. And she, um, had asked if I would turn towards my husband who was on the side of the tub. So that way she could actually like catch the baby when it was time. And my brain was like not registering that. Like she's like, oh, like we're like, we're having the baby now. Like this is not just laboring. Like this is happening. Like baby is coming. So I, um, and I had a moment in the tub that was like really special that I, I have a photo where I just have like a, 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 a gentle tear running down my cheek because <laughs> I had this moment of realizing like there's just so much time, literally an entire year of being pregnant um, and that I was at the finish line and it was super emotional and they were so kind, like just giving me the extra like confidence and support I needed that like, this has been a hard journey, but you are so close and the baby is so close to being born, um, which was this really, really special. Yeah, that's um, so sweet. That was in between the screaming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for like the brief second I had because the contractions like, were just oh, back to back nice oh no it's not <laughs> nice it was really lovely for yeah. a second yeah um so I turn around and face my husband and I got to experience the notorious fetal ejection reflex where I made the audible like grunting sounds and I could feel that my body was pushing the baby out <clears throat> and which was just wild like it's such a crazy experience. You hear these stories all the time mm-hmm. about how your body's just uncontrolled, uncontrollably like pushing. Um, and so it was cool to be able to experience that. Um, but like, man, was that intense? Like it was whew, like, it was hard. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm sure I've never had that, but yeah, I'm, it's, it's it sounds so crazy. Oh my gosh. I think that's when my brain finally realized like, you're pushing you're like this is happening so I'm grabbing my husband's arms like as hard as I can probably just like screaming into his ear um <laughs> but he Our was poor husbands, what they have yes. to deal with. oh my god I know I probably had bruises but honestly he was like super <laughs> cool and calm and like was super supportive I had sent him like a million birth videos throughout the pregnancy so like he was prepared <laughs> he and he like took all. one for the team yeah, exactly. He's watching these strangers give birth and he just like took it with, you know, like a champ. So um, at this point I was crowning and I just, oof, this is not to scare anyone, but the reality is, is you're pushing a human body out of your body. And for some, if it doesn't hurt, incredible. But I think for most, it's the most intense experience of your life. Mm-hmm. So um uh, she was crowning and I remember calling back to the midwife. I'm like, is she out? And they're, like, <laughs> they're like, no, like that's her head. Oh my gosh. So I, <laughs> I took a second and I was like panting. Like I tried to like get a grip 
And I paused and I was like making like that panting sound to like just kind of brace myself for the rest of the delivery. Um, so then our head was out and I felt like beyond the ring of fire, it was just, everything was on fire. <laughs> oh my God. And, but then, you know, they were encouraging, encouraging me and I gave them a couple more pushes and then I felt like her shoulder, I felt everything come out, which is really incredible to feel like from head shoulders. And then she like slithered <laughs> on out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was born and my midwife, because of my position, my midwife, like put me on, put her on my back and we have the most like precious photos of her on my back, like a little koala bear. Oh, I love oh, that. It was just so sweet. It was like the ultimate relief. Like I felt so incredible. She was on my back. Like it was this like warm little wet slippery being on my back. And it was really special for my husband because he got to see her first. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a really lovely picture of him like holding her hand. And it was just like super emotional and super beautiful. Um, and it was incredible. And she was born at 943. So yes, she wow. within, yeah, she was born within like 30 minutes of my water breaking and uh, within like an hour and a half of us arriving to the birth center. So Wow, thankful that is my, quick. <laughs> thankful well, my water didn't break in the car because we would have yeah. certainly had a car baby. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you like truly went at the perfect time because you had that time to yeah. set up and just kind of like yes. prepare and, and enjoy yourself for at least a few minutes. So that's, yes. yeah, it sounds like the perfect time. <laughs> you, You're so once again, right. yeah. trusted yourself and yes. Yeah, like, that's pretty awesome. I think that's my biggest takeaway for any listeners is just, I know how hard it can be to like tune out the noise. Yes. And I think like being pregnant and, and going through this journey is like the time that we have to prepare is really designed that way for a reason. Like you have a lot of like introspective work to do and to like try your best to tap into your own intuition mm-hmm. and us like really with my first birth, I really had a great experience and I did like feel like I was in tune and then same thing with the miscarriage experience. And then by the time, like I was ready for this birth, I really trusted myself. And I think that's such a gift to like, be able to listen to your intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say I, I got it all right, because there were like totally things that like could have oh, gotten yeah. the best of me. Of um, <clears throat> But the, the nurse and midwife said to me, they're like, thank God you, you trusted your intuition and you came at the perfect time because mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I did you not know, have a baby in the car. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely would have. Um, and, you know, yeah. like no birth is perfect, but it sounds like, you know, you had very beautiful experiences, even though I did. Were, I you did. Know, some were yeah. more difficult than others, but like, sure. yeah, that's, it's, it's. It's amazing. It's just amazing what our bodies are capable of. I know it really is incredible. And that is more than anything. It's like, I wanted to experience what, like how birth was designed to work. Mm -hmm. And I'm really fortunate that I was able to experience that. I know not in everyone's case, like you don't have that chance. Right. But for, you know, most low risk women, like you can do it. You can freaking do it. You have to prepare yourself physically and mentally. Um, and I think like choosing the right birth setting is huge. I obviously never would have had the option to have an epidural in the hospital because it went so fast, but also being in a birth center, there was no anesthesia option. Like I knew I was there to have an unmedicated tampered free, tamper free birth. 
Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what I got. So you, I think choosing your provider and where you decide to give birth is like, honestly, one of the most important things that you can do. Definitely. Um, definitely. I and mean, I was if, like alternative because uh, no one, I, I didn't know anyone that gave birth at the birth center. Oh I only knew one other person that had an unmedicated birth, like in our generation. Mine oh, was wow. my mom. Yeah. Um, so I was going against the grain on this one, but I really knew that it was the right decision for me and my family and my baby. Yeah, definitely. That's so true about choosing the right spot for like what right. you want, because right. if I had given birth with my third in the hospital, I probably would have gotten the epidural, like just sure. knowing that it's there. Yeah, <laughs> like, of course. But I chose a home birth because I knew right. I couldn't get an epidural and, exactly. and that was the right choice for me. So yeah, that's right. it's so true. You know, you don't really think about it like that, but um, yeah. So how was your recovery? Um, recovery was well, really you're still good. recovering. You're only yeah. seven weeks out. Yeah, I'm a seven week old. Um, she's honestly the she's just so sweet. She's the best. So after the baby was born, we kind of moved our way over to the bed. Um, and I will say I had a, a little bit of a laceration, so I needed a repair. Mm -hmm. I will say having to get anesthesia in your vagina is not the most comfortable thing. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, but you're still like so high, you have all these crazy endorphins going that it was like way more tolerable than it would have if you were just like on a oh, random yeah. day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that was not the most fun thing in the world. But honestly, after that, like we were just happy, laughing, smiling. I got up to pee, no problem. My mom and daughter were able to come down a couple hours later to meet the baby. Um, and it was just so lovely. Like I can't thank the team at the midwife center enough. They were just so wonderful and treated us so well. Um, and then it was just funny because we went, we left the birth center and went back to my parents' house five hours later. And my dad was in complete disbelief. He's like, you literally look like you just went out shopping. Like, how did you come home with a baby? Like <laughs> he couldn't wrap his head around it. <laughs> Cause you were feeling so good. I mean, you got, you got some sleep the night before. So you're yes. like, yeah, here's oh my gosh. And you're still so freaking high from the yes. experience, like, especially oh when gosh. unmedicated that mm -hmm. we were just like laughing and chilling. My, my, one of my sisters was able to come over and meet the baby. And it just was like, so, so lovely. Um, and I decided this time around, I went like full on crunchy. I decided to get my placenta encapsulated, which I was really glad that I did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just, there's not like hard and fast data on it because it's like obviously a holistic thing to choose to do. Um, but I'm really glad that I did it. I had my placenta pills within like two days and I was taking those for the first five weeks. And I think that it really, really helped with my emotions and just like level off my hormones. Um, and I didn't have those crazy like hormonal um, up, ups and downs like I did the first time. Um, so to be honest, like the recovery period has been really good, knocking on all wood. But mm -hmm. the hardest part is like, the common cold got my family. It like blew through the house and everyone in the house got really sick. Um, except for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Luckily. Thank God. I, I got a little bit sick and I was obviously super concerned about June. I didn't want her to get like the toddler cooties. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she got a little bit of like a stuffy nose at 10 days old, which is like kind of scary, but I just remained as calm as I could. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so like that was what was unexpected. Like, the postpartum recovery itself was really good, but common cold was the one who would cause. <laughs> yeah, those viruses very humble, can be nasty though. 
Oh my god, it was crazy. But yeah. once everyone was healed and better, and like not dripping boogers and coughing all over the place, like it got a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like with the toddler, my my daughter did really good considering she's like such a trooper. Um, there we have our moments where like of course she just wants me to hold her while I'm holding June, and that's not always possible. Or like if I'm nursing her, she literally tries to like climb on top of us, which doesn't yeah. work so well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have our moment but she loves her and it's just it's really like it's just like the best feeling it's so heartwarming to see like your two most prized possessions like mm-hmm. loving on each other so oh we are so very sweet. grateful it's been wonderful awesome well congratulations that's amazing thank you so much it's been, uh, been a ride <laughs> yeah definitely oh my gosh mm-hmm. Um, well, do you have a way that our listeners can get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah. So, um, on social media, I think my account is, my account is private, but it's Krista, K-R-I-S-T-A underscore Mnet, E-M-N-E-T-T. Um, and people could, if you want to reach out, you could message me. I'm happy to respond that way. And then my email is just Krista Mnet at gmail.com. Okay, so I'm happy awesome. to chat with anyone and be like your freaking cheerleader, because if you have any, gosh, if you have any desire, I just say, go for it. Like mm-hmm. it is something you will absolutely not regret doing. Um, and you just need to find the people that get it and are going to be supportive and not deter you from what you want, because it's not up to them, yeah. not up to your provider. It's up to you and what you feel like is right for you and your baby. So yeah, you can do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Awesome. I love it. And I think this is going to inspire some people. So oh, thank I hope you. so. Yeah, no, it's been such a pleasure. I've always wanted to share my stories and I just, I think it's a well-rounded because I've experienced both and uh, yeah. not, like one's better than the other necessarily. But I no. think if you have, if you have the pool to have an unmedicated birth, go for it because you won't regret it. You feel so freaking empowered. Women are incredible. And I think like giving birth, you unlock like your badass even more. And it just preps you for, for parenthood because parenthood is yep. not easy. Yeah. <laughs> Nor yep. is birth, but it, it just is going to prepare you for the challenges of life. And um, it, it was just an incredible experience. So I'm happy to share my story. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you are enjoying the podcast. And if you are, please leave us a rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And don't forget to follow along on Instagram at Birth Naturally. And if you go on there, you can actually see some new merch we have. So we hope that you guys like those designs. And yeah, until next time. I have been listening to Audible for years. It just started with a free trial and my favorite Ellen Hildebrand book. And then once I realized how much I could accomplish in a day, like cooking for the kids, cleaning, organizing the house, you name it, um, while being entertained, I was hooked. It has all of my favorite fiction books, but it also has our favorite books on natural birth like Mindful Hypnobirthing, Birth Without Fear, Birthing From Within, Natural Childbirth The Bradley Way, just to name a few. If you use my link, you can get 30 days free of Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com slash 
birth naturally. And I suggest starting with Ina May's Guide to Childbirth if you haven't already because that is a listener favorite. So once again, just go to audibletrial.com slash birth naturally for 30 days free.